Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. It is the season of change, my dear. Can you feel it's, it in the air? Oh, it's so crisp and mm-hmm. fall-like. Mm-hmm. I'm having sinus headaches every day. <laughs> it's really, it's just perfect. Um, you're keeping busy, babe. You are booked and blessed. I am, which is, uh, <laughs> if you've known me for the past couple of months, hasn't been the case. But uh, recently, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just get into it. I was hired by the New York Film Festival to be their editor. So I have been editing all their Q&As, a lot of their red carpets, and also will be editing their mid-festival sizzle reel, which will be playing in front of their films. So it's very exciting for me. And, uh, you know, just to give a shout out, our former guest, Connor O'Donnell, is handling their podcast. Uh, My friend Jordan Raup, who hired me, uh, someday hope to get him on the show. He's one of their marketing people. Yeah, the, the the I love them for for like getting me into this film festival and and letting me do what I do best, which is edit. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And you and I, I thought maybe you would be too busy working to see movies, but it sounds like you've seen some movies. I have seen some movies. I have definitely seen some movies. I've seen Tar, the new Kate Blanchett gag. Yeah, you know, former topic of the show. Mm-hmm. And also I saw the new Kelly Reichardt film. I saw the new Park Chan Wook film. Hey everyone, this is the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we take two weeks, we watch as much as we can, do a ton of research, and then we read it on back to you and make ourselves look like geniuses. Oh, and then we also tell you what we like and we don't like. <laughs> That's the key here. It's all smoke and mirrors. We look like geniuses, but actually we're big dum-dums. <laughs> the, I was going to say speak for yourself, but truly, no, I'm I'm king dum-dum of dum-dum mountain. Uh, okay, the welcome rude. king dum-dum of dum-dum mountain? Silence, knave. Uh, <laughs> welcome officially to spooky season, by the way. Normally we do two spooky episodes every year. Unfortunately... We're both very busy. We are men about town. Yes. And uh, so this is going to be our one and only big Halloween episode. Yeah. And it's coming early in the season this year. Absolutely. But uh, I, I mean, I guess that means you can wait to listen to it. But why would you ever want to wait to listen to us? Don't wait. Um, yeah. And I, I'm excited for this episode. I feel like every year, is this our fifth or sixth spooky this is our sixth, I believe. Let's see. Witches, vampires, zombies. Werewolves. And ghosts. So six. Wow. This is our sixth uh, spooky monster uh, episode. And I feel like I'm always surprised. I feel like I always find something new about the the genre, about myself. It's all yeah, very good. We, we had a mid-episode meeting, which rarely happens, but we've also had other things to discuss, and that's why. <laughs> and... I got the impression that you were not enjoying your time. I don't know why I'm, I'm, for those of you that can see this, I'm doing the, like, Alexis Rose. Um, She's taking over. She's taking over. I got the distinct impression that you were maybe not having the best time with this. And I love this subject. And we'll tell you what the subject is in a moment. But we we do have a bunch of old business to get to before we we do do that. We do. Listeners. Hi. Officially... As you are listening to this, our Patreon is now open and available to all of you lovely people. Um, We want to welcome you and thank you in advance. Join us on the Patreon. Throw some doll hairs if you want. And if you don't want, great. We love you listening anyway. Um, Gavin, want to tell the the girlies the tears and how that all works? 
Uh, absolutely. And I do want to stress, and I, I, I did stress this last time, but I, I want to make sure that the language is absolutely clear. Nothing is happening to the show. The show is staying exactly the same. We're giving you the same award-winning, someday in the future, content <laughs> that you've come to love and expect. The episodes are not changing in any way, shape, or form. What we're doing with Patreon is we're attempting to build more of a community. In letting you join this community, what we're doing is we're, you know, sort of bringing you in closer. And what we're also doing in return is delivering you extra content. For our tiers, we have two tiers, starting with our five-star review, just $5 per month. And essentially what it is is a new way to join our community, plus a new way to watch our show, which includes actual ad-free videos of us doing what we do best, recording the episodes. We're also going to give you patron voting power, which, you know, as Louis said, sometimes we're a little stumped as to what to do next. And we want to give you girlies a chance to vote on what our next subject could be. We are launching a Discord, and if you join this tier, you will have access to that, um, where we can hang out, we can chat, we can talk about episodes, we can talk about future episodes, we can, um, I'm gonna share some of the sources that we use for rewinds. Um, it's, it's gonna be a little bit reminiscent of during the darkness of the pandemic when we had our watch parties, um, where we were chatting. Um, and so that 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 is another way um, that we can connect and build community. And we are so excited for it. And then for our extra special all-star tier, which is $10 per month, you get access to all of that. Plus we will give you a one-time shout out on the show as well as exclusive episode updates. Now, what that includes is some of our past subjects. They're still with us. They're doing new things. So we want to update you on how we feel about some of those projects. And if we like them, if we don't like them, some things are very new. Some things are just stuff that has happened in between now and when we recorded the episode. Also, mentioned above, I have seen some new films from the New York Film Festival. So one of our first exclusives will be a recap of some of the films that we've seen at the New York Film Festival. So you get to listen to that. And uh, maybe it'll help you during award season. Maybe it'll yeah. help you decide. Yeah. And also, you know, in the past, we have done interviews with actors. Um, and so all those extra bonus things will be living in that tier now. Um, so we're excited. Essentially, if you boil it down, it's $5 tier. You get our beautiful faces to watch and listen while we record and access to the Discord. And $10 tier, you get both those things, plus, um, you know, these episode updates. Um Sprinkle in, and you sprinkle in a little extra bonus confetti stuff on top of both of those with the voting <laughs> and uh, the shout outs. Um, all good things. And we hope you guys um, enjoy it and, and join us um, and just, you know, let's have some fun. Um, and I think that wraps up Patreon stuff, right? <laughs> I think that absolutely does. Um, and, and again, just like reiterate, you also don't have to join the Patreon thing. You know, we are happy to have the community we have and we love all that you guys listen to um but if you want to join us please do and if you don't work <laughs> <laughs> um okay gavin what other old business do we have well i believe we should revisit last week's episode because we did do a poll for our robert zemeckis episode uh, yes i have it right here okay yes <clears throat> okay so before we move into our spooky episode, we have our poll. Um, we asked you guys to go online and vote on Twitter what your favorite Robert Zemeckis movie is. This one was a hard one because his bangers bang so hard. <laughs> um, 
almost as hard as his, uh, like as hard as they bang, um, his really shitty, awful ones are just. Yeah, I did the poll this week and I was like, let's keep it to the early stuff. And mm-hmm. sorry can't for believe, any... Can't believe people can't vote for on Castaway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, Scott... I was like, sorry for anybody who really wanted to include A Christmas Carol. But I figure maybe it's just for the best that we, when we think of Robert Zemeckis, we think of the 80s. But also these four movies, they are all winners. They are oh, all absolutely. incredible. Um, in last place, imagine last place, Romancing the Stone. I know. <laughs> God. As as Chels put it, you know, sexy people doing sexy things. Yeah, yeah. That's you and me right now, Gavin. Um, <laughs> in third place, in third place, <laughs> Death Becomes Her was my pick <laughs> at 24%. I can't believe. I mean, but like, because the, the quality of these movies is just so good. Um, they're now so iconic. Now a third place? <laughs> <laughs> in second place, Back to the Future with 26%. Um, and in first place... Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit with 44%. That was your pick, Gavin. It was. I win this round. That, I mean, that is a fan fave, though. Like, I mean, Death Becomes Her is a little bit niche for yes, cool people yeah. with taste, excellence, <laughs> glamour. Um, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like, you cannot get around just the, uh, how exciting it is to see not only live action and cartoons, but Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, like it's it's all the girls are there, and like we we don't have that anymore. So it's really uh, something really special. Yeah, it's a true cornucopia of just animated bliss, and yeah, we yeah. you know we get attempts at that. I feel like every ten years or so, and they they just all sort of pale in comparison. What's wild is like okay, and I did not watch the new Space Jam, but I feel like that is like. Now it just feels like corporate synergy when like Space Jam has like every fucking Warner Brothers yeah. situation coming into it. Like it's not. There's, there, a... there's like a piece of trivia about Space Jam, which is that uh, Disney, when they asked Warner Brothers for access to their characters, basically Warner Brothers was like, yeah, but you have to do a favor for us down the line. And when they were making Space Jam, they were they tried to call in that favor and Disney was like. Heck no. And so that's why there's like a bunch of anti-Disney jokes in wow. Space Jam. Yeah. Okay, Disney, suck it. Like that's rude as hell. <laughs> um, Are you shocked? Walt, no. Walt's, Walt's frozen head was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Request denied. Next. <laughs> I like the idea of Walt just like being a judge in some like uh, in the Magic Kingdom. Um, okay. Woo. That was a lot of old news. I think we're good to go, right? Yes. Are you good to go? <laughs> I'm good to go. <laughs> Thank God people got the joke. Yes. I was, I was firing. I was firing. Um, but okay, let's get into this spooky episode. Gavin, you have him behind you on right on the wall. Today, we are talking about the iconic. It's Frankenstein. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Honey, it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frankenstein. I unabashedly love Frankenstein. I've read the novel many times. I actually have three... You can't even see my bookcase because I have some candlelight going on. I have three copies of Frankenstein on that wow. bookcase. Um, wow. And yeah, I've, I've always loved this story. It's such a classic to me. I think it brings up a lot of uh, you know, a lot of thoughts about 
how we treat each other as people, a lot of thoughts about life and death, a lot of thoughts about the afterlife and the the way we think about science and the way we think about religion. And it's all wrapped up in this, like, you know, this kind of not very long, like, ghost story. I mean, yeah. that's what it was written as originally, is like a, right. a way to scare your friends in a, right. in a spooky old castle. Right. I don't think I, like, <clears throat> this always happens when we do these episodes, specifically about, like, the, quote, universal monsters. Like, I know he's not, he is one, but, like, he's not. He lives yeah. outside of that as well. But, like, he's just always been part of our collective conscious. And what's, so what's wild is like, it's what, 200 years old, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, and, and, and he's spraying from the mind of this like 18 year old girl, like woman, I guess. But, and it's just wild to think, you know, uh, Mary Shelley was able to create a modern, a new modern myth. Like, the reanimated man was not something like was not in like, you know, ancient Greek or, you know, any of that shit. Like it's, it's really just wild to like think like, Oh, this is groundbreaking. And to this day is still super, uh, uh, just like prescient and relatable. Um, and we see, we see, uh, permutations of the story in a lot of surprising places, um, yeah. over and over again. And what's amazing about this, too, is it has become considered the very first science fiction story. I mean, obviously, lots of people say, oh, it's horror. Oh, it's scary. But this is the first time an author really melded science, contemporary thoughts at the time with this sort of fiction of, a you know, a man literally turns to what he has in that era to make a monster. Right. But is um, he, in fact, the monster himself? Gagachandra. Um, okay. I think we should get right into the rewind because we have a lot of fun history stuff to get into. Absolutely. Hit that rewind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was about to hit it, and then you said quit it <laughs> with that laugh. <laughs> So Frankenstein, there is so much good scholarship about Frankenstein out there. There are movies about uh, the movies. There are movies yeah. about the book. There are movies about... Um, oh, baby, one of these unemployed days before this festival started, I watched four different movies. Four movies about Mary Shelley. That is crazy. I don't know why you admit that so freely, Kevin. <laughs> you said I, uh, had, I, had, I had all the time in the world today, and I'm going to watch four movies <laughs> about Mary Shelley. I didn't say those were the only movies I watched, but those were the four I watched about Mary Shelley. And that is the commitment you get on the mixed reviews, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. And other. Um, so Mary Shelley uh, wrote Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus in 1818. It is a short novella. Is that like fair to say? Well, I mean, it is a novel. It's 280 pages. So okay, like, you just knew that off the top of your head? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How so could she, I not? Um, there's... A lot of like fun details about this. So she, let's set the scene first. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what volcano has erupted, but a volcano has erupted. The sky I, is an I, ash. Mount Tambora decides to lose it in 1815, and that yeah. drives the summer of 1816 into winter. It covers the sky with ash. You know, it's referred to as the year without a summer. Yeah, it is darkness. It is gothique. Um, it is hot topic <laughs> um, outside. <laughs> and 
so Mary Shelley and like a bunch of her like hot, cool, smart nerd friends basically are like, okay, let's just go to um not camp, but like have a vacation and like do a little retreat. And that's like Lord Byron. Um, she's there oh, with a famous disaster bisexual Lord Byron <laughs> who just lives for the fucking drama. Okay, also, like, if you find a picture of Lord Byron out there, he is so cute. <laughs> like, I get why he's a disaster bisexual. <laughs> yeah, he he knows it. Yeah, oh, know? and he knows. <laughs> She's also there with um, her future husband, Percy Shelley. These are all just, like, hot, like, creative writer fucks who are, like... <laughs> and basically, Lord Byron's like, let's have a competition to see who can, like, write the spookiest story. And... Again, she is 18 years old. Yeah. He's married. Um, mm-hmm. Also, many historians have now said that, like, while they're in the castle, um, Percy Shelley also banged Claire Claremont, her stepsister. Casual. Was, yeah. I mean, also, it's 1818. Like, what else are you doing besides, yeah. like, starting drama and, 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 and like, And there's banging. just poor Dr. Polidori, like, does anybody remember him here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they are like rock stars. I mean, Byron is a man who walks around with a condom in his pocket, you know. There, there are people hiring la- telescopes on the other side of the lake so people can spy on the, on the wickedness that's going on there. Byron seems to suggest that everyone should write a ghost story. This re- suggestion that they should all write a ghost story causes something of panic in her because everyone else gets going and she can't think of one. And every morning she's asked to think of one and she has to say that she can't. There's a lot of personal things. I mean, Mary Shelley's life was very interesting. Um, and I don't want to like confuse or conflate the Frankenstein, the book and her personal life. But right. a lot of scholarship has been said about, you know, her mother passed away uh, in childbirth um, later uh Shelley will have her own trauma when it comes to childbirth. So death is on the mind. Um, Also around this time, there is a lot of science happening. There's a lot of um, uh, advancement of technology Um, for the first time, like animatronic, like robot dudes are um, a thing. Like not like you fucking see robots today, but like, Think of kind of like um, it's the a hall of president. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a small world. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it's very that. Like the, I like and, that we both went with Disney references. <laughs> um, and so, like there, there is a lot of science um, about you know animating a, a person, um, and by animating, I mean like in real life, not drawing, whatever. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of inf- that's all the stuff is influencing Mary. And so uh, one night, you know, I-, I just watched this documentary that was like, everyone was like shitting on her because she hadn't come up with a story yet. Them like all kissing on the couch being like, oh, are, do you have a story yet? Like, we're tired John- of kissing. <laughs> and John Polidori wandering in going, I've written something about yeah. vampire. No one cares. <laughs> exactly. Um, finally, one night, she says she it, uh, Frankenstein comes to her in a dream or not a dream, but a reverie. Like it's, it's, it's just this, um, it, 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 it comes from her brain, you know? The, and the nice thing about us doing this video portion of the podcast now is I am so happy people get to see the hand motions you did for reverie. Reverie. <laughs> um, and so she published from that castle stay um did she finish it there she didn't finish it there it would just no, like the idea no. came from that stay yeah. she writes it and it's published in 1818 it's called frankenstein or the modern prometheus um 
without we, her name. Yes. Famously. Uh, yes, because she's a womana. She has become so caught up in what she's writing. I mean, she really does enter a different zone in this book. All these things are caught up in this, in this one tragic, pathetic, innocent, ugly, beautiful creature. The novel was originally published anonymously in 1818. It's not particularly unusual at that stage for novels to appear anonymously. People often talk about the fact that she's very young when she writes it, 18, 19. I think that's one of the reasons it has the quality it has, because it is very much a novel written by someone who is still in the process of working out what they think about the world. And the next year, she's like, no, name, put <laughs> yeah. it on there. Yeah. Mary Shelley, M-A-R-Y. And it's, <laughs> and it's because it becomes almost immediately very popular. Um, yes. Like, and I don't, let me, let me rephrase that. Let me say that in a more specific way. The actual text does not become popular with the people, but f fucking theater freaks get a hold yes. of it. And all of a sudden there are a bunch of theater versions of Frankenstein and the, which then propels it into further popularity. Um, I think someone said like, no one read the thing, but they all saw the shows. Um, and from the shows, obviously like zooming forward, we get the movies, but like and it's, and which is crazy because a lot of the underground theaters are going, have you read this book called yeah. Vampire by John Polidori? And people are like, no one cares. <laughs> Nobody wants to see it. Boo, bye. Okay, so it was just five years after Frankenstein's published that the first theatrical um, show is put on. It's Richard Brinkley Peake's presumption, exclamation point, or the fate of Frankenstein. Um, Mary Shelley saw a production of this. She thought it was cute she basically said beautiful gowns uh she said that the story was quote not well managed <laughs> um the adaptation was very liberal and that's something that i think continues to this day yeah uh, that's not gonna change yeah uh there is none of the um framing of her original book which has like the arctic thing yeah um the monster is also very different like from the jump the theater folks were like, nope, the monster's not going to talk. He's not going to look cute. Uh, because in the book, the monster has long hair. He can talk. Right. He's like, he's like, what's going on, guys? Um, yes, I believe in the book, I believe the phrase monster is so much so that when Kenneth Branagh made his film version, he forbade anybody on set calling him a monster. I believe he's just referred to as the man with sharp features. Hmm. Talking about me and this jaw. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Cut glass. Um, but it, it also the famous line, it lives, comes from this reimagining on stage. That is not in the book. Um, but it is so, so much a part of its history. It, it feels like a, an authentic part of the story that you cannot do without. A lot of the movies have like the very similar beats, things that you have to do to make it like a Frankenstein yeah. story. Um which are kind of like fun to see how they do. The first actual um, movie is in 1910. It's a short film directed by J. Cyril Dolly for Edison Studios. Um, it, it's one of the very first motion pictures. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm looking at like a picture of the film catalog and it is crazy. Uh, he's uh, got some crazy, like the Frankenstein that we know as as like a visual reference does not yet exist. Right. And so people were being very loosey goosey and like experimenting on how the monster should look. 
And one of the great things that this movie does, which you can watch it on YouTube, it's like 10 minutes, 13 minutes, somewhere in between there. And one of the great things it does is it is very vague about how the monster is created because Shelly herself was very vague about the monster, right. how the monster was created. And that's such a brilliant tactic because essentially what she's doing is being like, Figure oh, it out, the, guys. yeah, exactly. The doctor doesn't want you to know because he doesn't want people to replicate his experiment, but also then like, I don't have to be scientifically accurate to right. like, this is all hocus pocus. Right. It was on a dreary night of November that I beheld the accomplishment of my toils with an anxiety that almost amounted to agony. I collected the instruments of life around me that I might infuse a spark of being into the lifeless thing that lay at my feet. It was already one in the morning. The rain pattered dismally against the panes, and my candle was nearly burnt out when, by the glimmer of the half-extinguished light, I saw the dull yellow eye of the creature open. It breathed hard and a convulsive motion agitated its limbs. Then she goes on. She left it deliberately vague, but you're not quite sure whether there was some black magic involved or whether there was some vague elixir or something, certainly not by, you know, thunder, lightning, electrical impulses, and so forth and so on. Uh, There was none of that. That has also led, like, a really beautiful flexible blueprint for any director to be like okay i know how i want to do this creation scene and it's gonna fucking rip and i will say even the bad movies i watched i was like okay they had fun creating this man (laughs) they were like they were like fucking get the lightning from everywhere bitch it's gonna be amazing (laughs) um so from the jump though there's a lot of uh moral um questions uh concerns comments comments um (laughs) And in the short, a lot of those things were kind of taken out because a lot of people were worried about viewers being put off. Um, but the, even with that, like the idea of creating a man from other parts of another man is just so like ghoulish and creepy. Yeah. And, and, and for context, like the core of this is all about like man becoming God. Yes. Period. Period. Absolutely. Um, and, what, and what, you know, if one achieves godhood, what is the responsibility to their creation? Right. And what is that creation's responsibility to their god? Yep. It's and it's something that, again, like we see literally from, you know, the Frankenstein, we know um, the James Will version to Jurassic Park to fucking Avengers Ultron weird science i was thinking that when i was doing my research for this i was just like wow avengers age of ultron is just like a superhero frankenstein update yeah Yeah. and and i was reading somewhere and they said you know jurassic park um the line says it best for jurassic park like scientists always ask if we can they never ask it like if we should if we should um, I thought I, you were just going to say we spared no expense. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it does cost a lot to bring things to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the same time, I guess also worth mentioning, electricity is becoming um, kind of like this amazing magical thing. Oh, my God. I, I just remembered I watched this documentary of like there were actual fucking scientists out there who were like chopping animals up and like putting parts on different animals and shit. Like I saw a video of a dog 
and then someone had taken the head of another dog and put it on that dog's back. Oh my and god! Bo- and both heads were moving. It was fucking crazy. You need to stay off the internet. I really you do. To, you need to. One of the most famous um, things that like you'll see in most uh, Frankenstein movies is like, look at this electricity that makes the frog legs jump. Um, and that was actually happening. There were actual scientists yes. who were using electricity to animate, you know, these dead things. Um, and they were just curious. Also, it was not um, un... Uh, it was very common, I guess, for... Is very the right word? It was common for uh, grave robbing. You know, they... Yes. Famously, labs, Burke and Hare, who have been written into some frankenstein movies labs and like they needed bodies to do their experiments and it was just really um you know loosey-goosey uh we did not have the rules and regulations of today um for the cadavers <laughs> let's just say that um so okay let's just get to the what we all know 1931 um that is boris karloff James Wales, Frankenstein. We talked about this in our Universal Monsters episode. Absolutely. And also, I think the thing, and <laughs> I got trouble. I I think I mentioned this when we talked about our Universal Monsters episode. I got in trouble on a different friend's podcast years ago at this point. And so I don't know why it still bothers me. <laughs> but the talking about the Universal Studios <laughs> Monsters movie. And I think one of the most important things that you bring onto Frankenstein is the fact that James Whale directed it, is the fact that this out gay man at a time in which it was illegal to be a homosexual was directing this movie about a man creating life on his own, yep, creating a child, you know, bringing this monster to life, and this monster then being rejected by society, mm-hmm. not understanding why, you know, there's all of these queer themes. Yep. And when I said this on this other podcast, there were some comments being like, well, you can't just read into a film like that. That's oh, you and can't. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, no, that's what, that's what criticism is. Is right. like the, the audience brings their thing to it. It's like, if you just go on what the director was able to say in their life, time and also like what's solely there on the screen then you're you know you're if you're not watching untucked you're only getting half the story art is not for the creator it's for the audience mama Absolutely. okay so like <laughs> um intent sure is important but it doesn't matter because if the movie hits you a certain way it hurts you a certain way um and we just talked about um kind of in our brendan fraser episode of gods and monsters which is about James Whale. James Whale. Yeah. Uh, And his, and, and so absolutely. Another important uh, discussion point is uh, Frankenstein is about fear of the other fear of, and, and that can be read as, like you said, homophobia, racism, xenophobia. Um, It's just, this is someone who, it's like that seventh grade middle schooler thing. Like I didn't ask to be born mom. Like, you know, (laughs) it this is someone who doesn't understand like why he is the way he is why do people not love him um and is and just wants friendship and just wants you know and and this 1931 movie explores that so well um 
even though he looks like a monster, he's right. got the the now iconic bolts, the flat head, the big forehead. Um, right, and and they were looking essentially for an iconic look for him. They wanted a a reason for him to you know like they decided on a flat skull because you know the it could open to put the brain in and the bolts in the neck to conduct the electricity like there there were reasons behind Jack Pierce's makeup his very famous makeup very famous uh but also very copyrighted makeup <laughs> that, <laughs> yes um that that genuinely makes sense when you when you watch the film and and understand the story Karloff had been placed under the auspices of Universal's head of makeup, Jack Pierce, who spent two weeks working directly with him on top of the six months he had already spent researching ideas. Pierce's monster is surely one of the greatest makeup designs in cinema. Visionary, but credible, thought through with a chilling logic. The top of the head is misshapen and stitched because a different brain has been placed in another man's cranium. It also adds to Karloff's height. The bolts in the neck, often thought of simply as screws holding the head on, are in fact the electrodes used to reanimate the corpse. This is a face which really does tell a story. Yeah, and in this movie, you know, I was going to say, even though he looks like a monster, he only does like monstrous things in response to other people being monstrous. Yeah. Um, and so he, when people are kind to him, he's kind um, and he just wants that. And so, um, yeah. The, I, just like that little girl. What a monster. Monster. It's completely deserved to be thrown into that lake. That bitch. No, I, I, I'm joking about that, but that's, that's another, that's actually another good example of like, that's him trying to understand. He thinks they're having fun. This girl is throwing flowers into the lake. He thinks, right. oh, what if I throw this child in the lake? Right. And consequences of that yeah. are. And it's also like that really like beautiful moment where he's like looking into the water and sees his reflection for the first time. And like, it's like a, a really nice subversion of like the Narcissus tale. Like it's just, I didn't rewatch it this time around just because there are so many <laughs> movies. Yes. But yeah, yeah. it is really just like a beautiful moving really great like bottom floor level like you know sturdy movie about this great myth that um people love um so i i mean i think like of this era there's a but i mean this basically starts like the frankenstein cinematic universe um <laughs> uh i think though i don't know how many gavin you want to talk about but i think the most important sequel is obviously bride of frankenstein yeah the direct I... sequel which is one of our all-star movies Yes, I yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't know how much more we have to say about Bride of Frankenstein, but I think the truly brilliant thing it does it it's uh, you know even better than the original, uh, which is rare in a sequel. But also one of the brilliant things it does is you know it, it they were smart enough to be like there's this whole other part of the book, even though yeah. it's a short book that we've not really adapted, and that's when the monster comes to Doctor Frankenstein and is like I want a mate, and However, it's girls, be- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and however like because. Their creature is, you know, nonverbal in the first movie and not as uh, intelligently advanced as he is in the novel. They have to come up with new ways for this uh, bride to be introduced. And so they invent, you know, Dr. Pretorius, this flamboyantly gay character. Very. 
They also ingeniously uh, start the movie with Mary Shelley herself and have her played by Elsa Lanchester, who is the bride later in the film. It's all these brilliant, beautiful touches that really sell this movie. And, you know, Boris Karloff, famously the monster. I I feel like we haven't actually said his name yet, even though he is. I said said Karloff. Okay, good, good. Uh, Boris Karloff was adamantly against them letting the creature talk. Mm. Uh, He lost that battle and the creature speaks. And I think that's maybe the best thing in Bride of Frankenstein. There's lots of beautiful touches, campy, fun things, but his line delivery of we belong dead is maybe one of the saddest line deliveries in film history. It's one of my favorite things ever. I can't leave them. I can't. Yes. Go. You live. Go. You stay. We belong dead. He's very good. (laughs) Yeah, he's so good in it. And it's not an easy... I mean, I think it can be read as easy. And Mm -hmm. if you do want to bring up the other sequels just briefly, I think that's where, you know, it it really fails when, you like, Bela Lugosi plays the monster at one point. Lon Chaney Jr. plays the monster at one point. I think both of them do a lot to prove that it's not an easy role. Right. And and it's not just easy for someone to slip into that makeup. Uh, The only other one I would want to mention, like, in terms of, like, real quality is Son of Frankenstein, which is essentially the film template for the film Young Frankenstein, which comes 30 years later, the Mel Brooks film. But it's about Dr. Frankenstein's son, now played by Basil Rathbone. Uh, And by the way, we didn't even mention Colin Clive. Colin Clive plays Dr. Frankenstein in the first two Frankenstein movies, and he's so good except for you can really see his alcoholism affecting his mm. performance in Bride of Frankenstein. And it's it's a little sad, but he was a man of his own issues. He was rumored to be bisexual, that he was hiding it from a lot of people. Uh, but I, I love his performance in the original movie because he plays Dr. Frankenstein in a sympathetic way that I think that not everybody manages to capture because... I think- you know, it's a it's a it's a plot about hubris, and right. he really gets that. I think as we go on, though, also I think they really lose the plot. Like the um, you know, I I watched here and there some. I watched some for our Universal Monsters movie episode, um, and it, it becomes like really Avengers, yeah. but Frankenstein, and yeah, and, um, that, and that's what they're doing. You know, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Like, it, yeah, it's getting him the monster at least. And yeah. uh, and that's what's interesting about the Universal Studios Frankenstein movies is they decide to follow the monster. Colin Clive, the original doctor is out 
by the second movie, uh, Basil Rathbone is in in the third movie. Uh, the other thing that I really love about the third movie is that it's very German expressionist in comparison to the other two. It's got those really angled sets and those really interesting like dark color palette even for black and white and but yes and and so the those films follow you know frankenstein's monster and it it is boris karloff for a bit and then as i mentioned you know there's the glenn strange version there's blanchini jr there's bella lugosi i think the only other person that like really got that version of the monster was maybe Glenn Strange, and I think he gives the second best performance. And the fu- funny enough, it comes in 1948's Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, which is a very funny. It's Scooby Doo. Good- it's Scooby Doo, but it's a good Universal Studios monster movie, which I think is the most shocking bit about that movie is that it's like, oh, this is good. Like I, I watched that movie and thought like. I just know Aaron Sorkin one day is going to write an Abbott and Costello like drama <laughs> where like, it's like, why do I always have to be the stupid one type thing, you know? And like, I, that's all I saw. I was like, God, these, because <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Strange shows up as the monster and is like, want to smoke crack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's silly. It's fun. It's cute. Back. Back. Yes, master. He thinks I'm Dracula. <laughs> In the 50s, you know, we get the Hammer movies, which we also kind of briefly mentioned. Um, I, could I tell you which ones I saw of the Hammer movies? No, <laughs> but I know I did watch a couple of them. I love the Hammer movies. Hammer's Frankenstein. So they had color. They, right. they, they took advantage of color. And so, like, it's very bloody, bright red. Like, you can see, like, all the prosthetics on his face. He looks more like a man falling apart. Yes. Um, from decaying body parts. Um, yeah, and- I, I, I love Hammer, as I was saying. the uh, They really gave us Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, you know, these horror greats that really, like, took over, you know, besides Vincent Price, who we've talked about on the show before, really, like, were in the consciousness of, of people when they thought of these like classic horror things in the 50s 60s and 70s yeah the curse of frankenstein was rated x back in the day yeah ladies and gentlemen like it's crazy they they even the movie had to have a lot of cuts being made to it um watching it now it's can't be fun i think you know yeah. it's silly um, and i think and- you could really tell how good friends peter cushing and christopher lee were even though they're playing opposites right because they they clearly have a a multi-textual relationship going on. Shall I tell you something, Paul? There you see the result of your handiwork as much as mine. Oh, yes. I gave him life. I put a brain in his head. But I chose a good brain, a brilliant one. It was you who damaged it. You who put a bullet in the wretched thing. This is your fault, Paul. Do you understand that? Your fault. Yes, I understand. But you won't win, Paul. And shall I tell you why you won't win? Because I shall carry on. If I can't cure it by brain surgery, then I'll get another brain. And another. And another. So the movie is a huge hit. They make six more movies. Um, watch them at your leisure if you'd like. Uh, yeah, the uh, the continuity between them. These ain't Marvel movies, pals. Loosey-goosey. Very loosey-goosey. Um, but, you know... 
I don't want to spend too much time going through like every fucking movie that was ever made. No. But through the years, like in the 60s and 70s and 80s, the Frankenstein genre, the the template really hits every quadrant. Um, you know, Andy Warhol produces a movie, Flesh of Frankenstein, um, also an X-rated movie. Um in the 70s, you get Blackenstein, which is a black exploitation um, spin on Frankenstein, which uh, kind of pales in comparison to Blackula. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I was. It, it felt a little like dour to me, like not as fun as I was expecting it to be. The monster! It's Eddie! Get down to the lab. Prepare a massive injection of Demerol. We've got to stop him. I'll phone the police. the spanish uh frankenstein films directed by jess franco you know what you're getting is uh, people are taking the book frankenstein and extrapolating on it and expounding upon it and coming up with their own myths and sort of filling in the blank of their own wants or needs right these are becoming you know stories less about obsession and religion and more about the perils of science. Yeah. Uh, you know, the and and I think that's where a lot of people really, especially in that era, the 70s, 80s, are are really sort of digging into. Right. I think in the 70s, especially, we get a lot of like erotic um versions. Yes. Um, I would say Flesh of Frankenstein is one of them, the erotic rights of Frankenstein. It's all about Jess like Franco. bodies. It's about, you know manipulating of the body and it's very visceral um you get shades of that if you jump forward ahead to um, mary shelley's frankenstein which we mentioned um the kenneth branagh version um which is very homoerotic if i might say <laughs> yeah that i as i said on letterboxd uh i just think it's so funny that kenneth branagh sees a book about vanity and hubris and is like mama that's me <laughs> he said hold on i just went to the gym today um but yeah i mean that i think is a very i what i love about these movies and what i was realizing as i was watching them is you know the exploration of bodies and the beauty the ugliness how they can be manipulated you know i think it was when i was watching blackenstein when i was like wow every woman who gets killed in this first has to show their boobs um, yeah <clears throat> but then like in flesh referring sign it goes to the extreme where he's like the the doctor is like literally having sex with a dead body you know penetrating the like wounds of right. the monsters they're creating um which of course is fucking crazy but like it kind of works i was like this is fucking crazy and i love it um <laughs> there's and so i i, I just because the, the like there's that religious aspect and like the sacred and so like I love the subversion of like okay well but this is clear like the body is not sacred it decays decomposes the big question of like is a man just a body is there a soul like all that stuff I loved the subversion and kind of getting through that and it's you know 
there's like obviously the horror of like you know cutting and blood and all that stuff but like just the horror of like we are just meat sacks that's a fucking (laughs) that's a horror in of itself i i also you know as you mentioned very early on the the idea of other and and i always when i look at frankenstein i always take it from the perspective of the monster i i think the monster is so sad and you know beautiful and smart and just wants love in Mm -hmm. in any way they can a lot of versions of frankenstein include the blind old man who he befriends sometimes which ends in tragedy other times does not and i i think what's so great about that specific character is not only is it smart that he befriends somebody who can't be shocked by his appearance but he also befriends somebody that is also most likely in that time period treated like an outcast yeah. because because they are not a quote unquote 100% healthy member of society and mm-hmm. so i still think frankenstein holds some keys to things we're afraid of i mean not to bring it into the now but like we're still in a pandemic and we're still telling people immunocompromised people like myself that like no 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 it's okay you can go do all the normal stuff and like i i have been going out and trying to do the normal stuff but there is you know things that set certain people apart that right i mean society does not make concessions for right like to your like to your point broadly like people who are differently abled are treated um sometimes with not dignity and that's such also a good read on frankenstein like he is differently abled you know yeah he is emotionally different there is a lot of there's a lot of room for people to find um different meaning in um frankenstein i think also it's important or maybe not important but like a fun thing to think about is as we get into like the 80s and 90s and certainly now um the technology aspect of it yeah like this Dr. Frankenstein was an inventor, you know, and he's using technology um, to create artificial intelligence. Um, and so I, I, you could say Terminator is a Frankenstein, you know, thing. People are creating, you know, this thing. Um, I, I read somewhere like Blade Runner also. Yeah, you know, the it, replicants. Yeah. yeah. These are all, Age of Ultron is obviously like the creation of, uh, artificial intelligence like could one day one of these ai things being like who am i why did you create me like right. that shit is frankenstein um, and i i also think it's funny that people have a tendency to intertwine essentially mary shelley with her own creation um on that day that i spent watching all of those <laughs> films about her and her life you know i was sort of shocked to find you know, films like um, Rowing with the Wind, which is actually a Spanish film, but it's all in English. Hugh Grant is in it. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley, it's actually where they met. Um, in that version of the story of the famous writing at, you know, Castle Diodati, like, she is haunted by this spectral version of the Frankenstein's monster who is, you know, getting revenge on her friends for her. Oh my God, Shelley, I just do not know what is happening. It's as if I were imagining things against my will, as if he were determined to bring my darkest premonitions to reality. 
I want to stop it happening, but I cannot. My thoughts no longer belong to me. And I cannot rid myself of the idea that our son, William, also died because of me. Help me. I curse myself because without knowing it, I have awakened the sleeping serpent. Help me. We must destroy him or he will destroy us. Or you get the really amazing Ken Russell film Gothic, which is just absolutely bonkers. Mary Shelley, Percy, Lord Byron taking drugs, going crazy. You know, there's images of famous paintings in it. And it's interesting that a lot of people want to assign some sort of otherworldly, almost magical realism to Mary Shelley herself. Right. Uh, well, actually, one of my favorite versions, this shocked me uh, because I went into this movie thinking, oh, this is going to be really bad. But I watched this movie called Frankenstein Unbound, which came out in 1990. Fucking crazy movie. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um totally you know it's set in the future starring john hurt he's created this uh weapon that tears holes in times in time (laughs) that tears holes in time he gets drawn back to the past where he meets dr frankenstein played by raul julia which by the way raul julia's death is the one of the biggest losses of acting ever i in my opinion And it literally drops him in the middle of the Frankenstein story. Yep. But also he like then has an affair with Mary Shelley too. Yep. Like, yeah, that movie, I was like, this is psychotic. They said, I love, I love that it starts in the middle. It's just like, whatever, middle of Frankenstein. And he's <laughs> like, like, don't you know what you're making? And like, yeah, that movie, I was, <laughs> I want to know what drugs they were on when they made that movie. Cause I, it's crazy. Even the ending, he's fighting the monster and then finds like some mythical town or something. Like it's, <laughs> I was like, where yeah. is this going? The uh, Frankenstein, but make it 1984, and it's fucking crazy. I do love that. That was the to date the final film of Roger Corman, who w- was retired yes. at the time and yes. had not made a film in 20 years. <laughs> we mentioned Roger Corman quite a bit in our Vincent Price episode, and it feels. Like um, Roger Corman movie made in 1990. Let's talk about other things. I think people always associate Frankenstein um, with Igor, who originally, that's not his name in the first movie. Um, no, it's Fritz. Yeah, his assistant is Fritz in the first movie. I don't know exactly when Igor started becoming a thing. But... So Igor shows up. He's played by Bela Lugosi. He's in Son of Frankenstein. So the third and, one. Yeah. And he's not really an assistant. Um, but he is, but he is the one with the hunchback and right. like the uh, yes the, master. Yeah. Um, but he's, I mean, he's so much more than a yes master, but that's how he gets played eventually. Yeah. Right. Um, there is an animated, and I guess that's a kind of a good segue. There's a lot of kids movies for Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, there's Igor, which is from the perspective of Igor, though I would say the movie is not great. Um, it takes <laughs> a lot like Igor's are like a job so, and it's, you don't got to worry about it. Um, uh, Victor Frankenstein in 2015, where Daniel Radcliffe plays Igor. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting take on it. Like they tried to give a lot of it, like Hogwartsian. It wanted so bad to be Sherlock and it was written by Max Landis. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will say the best part of that movie is 
like I thought that scene where they create the monster fucks. I was like, they have him like strapped in the middle of like this pit. It's raining. It's like, so much. It's aggressive. <laughs> um, uh, if we are talking kids films, I did watch this deranged. 90s canadian frankenstein and, uh, frankenstein and me yeah frankenstein and me start with a young ryan gosling and burt reynolds is their father is the main LOL. kid's father He's and i 10, was like years old yeah i was like couldn't they have just made it their granddad like, um i thought that movie was very sweet yeah i was gonna paint my dreams right across the silver screen did you meet anybody famous or work on any movies No. No, I... I quit too soon. I gave up too soon. You know, you got a dream. You gotta stick with it. You gotta go for it. You can't, uh... You can't back off. So make me a promise. You two have a dream. You go for it with everything you got. But like very tangentially Frankenstein, like very like really in love with the Universal Monsters. Right. And then I, like kind I think of, that's you know. A, that's a good point also though that I think transition, that's a good transition point to why do these characters, including the Doctor create why are they doing this and it's because the the idea of you know avenging someone's death feeling sad or guilty for someone's death i think in victor frankenstein like his brother he thinks he killed his brother so wants to bring a a body back um in mary shelley's frankenstein you know (laughs) similarly like is does who does he think he killed so, a lot of the stuff is he, like someone yeah he had... thinks he thinks he's responsible for his mentor's death in that right. movie um yeah and i mean you could even draw comparisons to tim burton's frankenweenie both the oh, the darling yeah both the claymation film as well as the original short film with shelly duvall the half an hour short film yeah that you know a child feels responsible for the death of his dog and decides to to bring the dog back and i do i do think that there is yeah there there's definitely it's a very catholic guilt <laughs> that presides over a lot of versions of frankenstein yeah i think frankenweenie is like a really good representation of that because there's that really beautiful scene where he hits the home run and thinks like oh this great thing's gonna happen to me um and he's like in the middle of it and then he sees his dog get run over um like halfway through and so it's like this really like crazy whiplash and um i think that movie like looks beautiful and also just does so much with so little like there's just so much non um verbal communication going on in that movie um i just rewatched it and i was like wow martin short's really funny and it's just it's i i enjoyed it <laughs> Yeah, I've I've seen the um, claymation remake a lot less than I've seen the original. But yeah, this idea that you know, I think that is maybe one of the most powerful things. Like if you th- you are so grief stricken, there's all this grief inside of you that you will go fucking dig up a billion bodies and sew them together and like go through all this. Like, why would someone go through this trouble? And it's because of like grief, love. Like, you know, I think there's like the two sides of like 
insanity and like crazy doctor stuff. And then also like, I love this person so much and we can do it. We have the tools, the science exists. Um, <laughs> that, you know, to me is really powerful. And then I, I also love like the third comedy lane where it's like, like weird science type stuff where it's like, let's make the perfect woman. Let's like the perfect man, yeah. like all those, that type of stuff. It's again, it just shows how flexible um, this story is and it can be told in a million different ways um, and mean a million different things. And I think that's really, really cool. The speaking of comedy, I mean, obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't <sighs> mention young Frankenstein. I mean, young Frankenstein is like, I mean, voted by many people. One of the funniest films in the last hundred years. I rewatched it for this and I was a little shocked this time. The thing that I noticed is like, it's not a joke a minute. No. And I think that's what people think when they think about it. But famously, Mel Brooks has always said, you know, because him and Gene Wilder wrote it together. And he's famously said, like, Gene Wilder's responsible for 90% of the movie. I just added dick and fart jokes. <laughs> and <laughs> and there uh, are plenty of those, huh? There, there absolutely are. And um, <laughs> I love a complete sidebar that um, Igor in that mm-hmm. uh, his hump moving was so actually... Good was actually just something Marty Feldman started doing just Casual. to mess with everybody. And they noticed a couple of weeks in and they're like, well, we got to keep it in. <laughs> no matter what you hear in there, no matter how cruelly I beg you, no matter how terribly I may scream, do not open this door or you will undo everything I've worked for. Do you understand? Do not open this door. Yes, Doctor. Nice working with you. Get me out. Let me out of here. Get me the hell out of here. What's the matter with you people? I was joking! Also, if we're going to talk about comedy, Frankenhooker... Yes. ...was perhaps one of the most joyous movie-watching experiences I've had in quite some time. One of my favorite things about freaking Hooker is that movie can't be made today. And like, listen, no. we're say- we're saying Hooker because that was the nomenclature at the time. Obviously, we mean sex worker. But I, I just think it's so funny. My favorite fact about Frankenhooker is that they sent it to the MPAA for rating and they were told that they had too many exploding hookers in the movie. Ugh. There were there were seven. They took out one Good. so the difference between an x rating and an r rating according to the mpaa or just the mpa now is you can't do seven exploding hookers but you can do six yeah. seven exploding hookers too much too many six perfect fine um the movie is on peacock and pluto tv it, and Tubi, like and shutter if you want to watch it commercial less so <laughs> well i'm if you pay for Peacock, there you go. <laughs> Watch a commercialist. Um, I think it is high camp. So funny. It is John Watersian in the best way. Yeah. Um, they, they deserve an Academy Award for the fake newscast that happens in it towards the beginning. It was this power mower that brought a quick end to the life of 21-year-old bride-to-be Elizabeth Shelley. Like wood through a mulcher, the girthful fiancé disappeared beneath the blades of the berserk mower that sent her personality raining down upon the horrified birthday revelers. In a blaze of blood, bones, and body parts, the vivacious young girl was instantly reduced to a tossed human salad, a salad that police are still trying to gather up, a salad that was once named Elizabeth. 
as somebody who used to work in the news one billion years ago, I was like, the accuracy. <laughs> and it's I so gotta good. say, the exploding hookers, wonderful. 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 Um, yeah, very you good. You will not see a better exploding hooker movie this year. You will not. You will not. Um, I think, you know, uh, what to say? Like, I mean, we're kind of... Yeah, we continue to make we continue to make Frankenstein movies, um, and as you mentioned, you know the technology has also gotten better. I, I believe we both watched 2015's Frankenstein, which, like, for its pluses or minuses, whatever you think about it, it does have some interesting ideas with essentially like 3D printing a man. Uh, we didn't even mention Rocky Horror, one of the most famous, oh my like, goodness, queer themed Frankenstein yes. adaptations. He's been making a man with blonde hair and a tan, and he's good for relieving his tensions. Hello. And, the, and then also, uh, Depraved is a film that came out just a couple years ago. It was directed by Larry Fessenden, and it's a it's a movie that's both about science gone wrong as well as like an interrogation of of like what we do to each other as people because it's about a a war veteran who has PTSD who eventually d- develops a way to to bring this creature to life as a way to like stop people from dying in war wow and then seeing how it like backfires doctor doctor henry frankenstein Henry, not Victor, just like in the movie. I salute you. Frankenstein of the Hudson. I wanted to mention really quickly Frankenstein's Army, which is a 2013 horror movie. Um, I saw it at Tribeca the year it came out, and I hated it. But that's because of the the found footage-ness of it. Right. Just because I hate when a found footage movie has to keep on coming up with more and more ludicrous ways to keep the camera rolling. Right. I don't think it's like a great movie, but I thought it was interesting. This idea of like, okay, Frankenstein through the lens of war and like the horrors of war, like their body parts are fucking everywhere. I will say uh, they were very clever and creative with making all these absolutely horrifying looking monsters. I will say it was maybe one of the more gory movies of this (laughs) genre that I watched. Um, But again, free on Amazon Prime Video. So have at it. Um, And I will say before we move out of the rewind, uh, I know you're not a gore girl. Mm-mm. I know that you are absolutely not your thing. Yes. But I think doing this subject in comparison to like werewolves on film where there's constantly teeth biting into things or or zombies on film. You know, this is one of the least gory. Yeah. Which is shocking because oftentimes it, invo- it involves body parts sewn together. Right. But it's th- the way that it's handled. Right. I think it's, I mean, because Frankenstein is about building a man, you know, like right. very rare. I mean, like Frankenstein's army aside, like very rarely do you see Frankenstein like fucking popping off, running around, ripping people <laughs> apart. Like even when he does kill in most of these movies, it's like kind of a whack. <laughs> and then yeah. like a person just kind of like <laughs> flies and dies. Um, it's more about the mood. It's the vibe. It's like, I mean, in the same way that like Dracula movies are about the mood and the vibe like yeah some of them have um, obviously there's blood involved but it's the horror really comes from the ideas that they're bringing to the table and like the spooky vibe of uh of the movie so uh yeah overall even though i am not a spooky bitch there is a lot to watch here that is not going to like um gross you out um and and so to all my non-spooky girls out there i got you 
<laughs> uh, Gavin, why don't we talk um, first about our one-star reviews? Absolutely. So, Gavin, I was thinking, um, and we can just try this out. Um, I think, what if we talk about the movies we don't like as a whole first, and then reveal what wins our one star? That, that's fine by me. That works for me. I think I watched like a good amount of movies. Like, I certainly didn't watch all of them. There's like probably over a hundred different versions of this story. Um, According to this list I found on Letterboxd, there's ninety. <laughs> and 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 I watched uh, ninety five. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, um, I watched fifty. Damn, them. girl. I mean, not. I mean, some of these are films I had seen before. I'm. I didn't. I will say, I did not do a ton of rewatching. I did very specific, targeted rewatching. Targeted. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the movies that I didn't like were typically like some of the rehashing of like the the third fourth fifth movies and like the yeah. hammer and the other like it's this um what I, I can't even tell you which one i watched that like i was like this is just about other things <laughs> and then they were like but let's put in frankenstein here um there was i i did not enjoy frankenstein unbound as much as you did I well say. i liked frankenstein unbound because i think it was so out there because it, it was like it was literally like what if we did frankenstein as a, a set piece to this other movie and like it once again it's bringing up all those themes we're talking about technology run amok like what it you know designing an ultimate weapon that ends up having worse consequences for you know that like it's it's attempting to tie those themes in obviously um and also just like i'd been seeing so many kind of miserable Frankenstein adaptations <laughs> that I was like, oh, something that's fun, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it, like, I didn't hate Flesh for Frankenstein by any means, but, like, do I ever want to see it again? Not really. Udo Kier's fun, but, like... <laughs> Um, I thought 2015's Frankenstein was actually pretty bad. Um, yeah. Oh no, it's not good. And I, I, the only reason I brought it up at the idea of the, the, the printing, of printing is, is cool, but I didn't, I didn't even understand its purpose because it decided to update every facet of the every novel. Every single moment yeah. is just a retread and to be, to be a little bit like mixed on the reviews, like I, I don't think this movie was handled with care. Like yeah. they make the blind man, like a black homeless man who like teaches him about like music and stuff and like sex but work also, and stuff. I was going to say, but yeah, but then also like, like basically gives him to a sex worker and yes. then is like played ups. by one of the pen 15 girlies. Oh, is it really? Yes. Wow. Did not it's realize. Maya, Maya Erskine. And, yeah. And then, I think the other thing that really bothered me in it that I didn't really like in terms of update when, you know, when they update the, the villagers with the pitchforks and everything, it's the, for, you no know, re- for no reason. They, they drag him behind a car. And I yes. think that is, is such loaded imagery for both yes. queer folks and people of color. Yes. And so to have this white man, it happened to uh, like this white, seemingly straight, I was like, oh, this is really going out of your way to upset, like, very targeted portions of your audience. But also, I mean, this movie is taking a lot of, like, leaps, <laughs> like, f- out of nowhere. I mean, 
fuck the cops but like these cops out of nowhere are like yeah you're a fucking freak and we hate you and it's like beating the and, shit and out of one, him like, and oh one of them's God. like kill me you don't have the balls to shoot me and he does and it's like yeah because wh- what what yeah and like what? very very that yeah and and also like i think like splitting the character of dr frankenstein himself between um both the woman up- yeah, a male figure and a and a woman figure. You've Carrie Ann Moss and you've Danny Houston, uh, both of actors I really like. Yeah, the budget I, went I, to both of them, and that's it. Right, but I but I didn't understand the message because it seemed to be like trying to say something about maternalness, but then also like wasn't really interested in that. And yeah, the the, the ending. I am Adam. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh is your name Adam? We, real quick, can we talk about names? So many Adams. Yeah, I think it's really hilarious when you're watching one and one of them's like, oh, his name is Prometheus. And it's like, okay, you didn't understand the novel because the modern Prometheus is Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, the creator. Like, Mama. The creator. He's the person who steals the fire and then is punished for it. Like, that's, Yeah. yeah. Um, but also Adam is just like, so like, we get it, girly. Like, you create God creating Adam. It's it's a little bit lazy bones for me. At least Frankenfurter was smart enough to name his creature Rocky. <gasps> I also was disappointed by Blackenstein, we said yeah. um, earlier. I wish it was just like, I mean, Blackula is just so fun. <laughs> Blackula is so fun, but also does occasionally hit on topics that are kind of interesting. You know, the whole idea of like slavery and whatnot. And I think the, I think Blackenstein like tries to be fresh and bring up like it's like got this Vietnam angle. Right, but it right. D- and I thought that was interesting. I was like, yeah, okay, go and, there. But then go. it never pays off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but Okay, so my one-star review, though, has to be 2014's I, Frankenstein. What? What, what? What, what, what happened? They said, um, what's the movie about, like, the lichens and stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It's it's this. I mean, isn't it by the same writer, essentially? It's directed by Stuart Beatty? Beatty? Yeah, um, and and Kevin uh, Griveau is the guy who created the Underworld series. Like he's a writer on the. Uh, it literally, they said, "What if Frankenstein?" It's almost as if they had written an entirely other movie about gargoyles and who are fighting demons to save the earth or whatever. Right, gargoyles th- who are like brought forth by angels. Who are maybe also angels. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, and, but, I don't know, the studio or something, someone said, but what if we add Frankenstein to it? We need a main character. Yes. Um, and so, like, in, in the end of the Mary Shelley book, like, Frankenstein disappears. He wanders yeah. the earth. He uh, he get, he floats away on an ice flow. Right. That's the, you know. And so. The, this, and the doctor dies. Like, right. That's the doctor the, is the, dead. Yeah. And so this movie supposes, what if back in the day, um, these like demons are attacking him and Gargoyle save him. And they're like, hey, girly, these are bad guys. And we want you to join us to fight them. And he's like, I'm Frankenstein. I don't think so. And so (laughs) he like Captain America's himself and I don't know, comes back later in the future and they're like, hey, girly, they're still fucking shit up. Um, meanwhile, um, 
Yvonne Strahovski, I think's her name. Yeah. She's like a scientist who is like oh boy. trying to figure out how to make um Frankenstein monsters essentially unknowingly. Yeah, you know, I re- I really liked her on Chuck. I'll I loved her, her on Chuck. I loved, I loved her on Chuck. Literally Bill Nighy, is that how you say his name? Yep. Bill Nighy is playing the same person from Underworld. It's yeah. insane. They said, yeah, what you're doing last time, just do that again here. And he's the big bad. And he's like, I want to create an army of uh, zombies. Um, but I need to know how to do that because I need bodies with no souls. Because you can't put uh, these undead people into bodies that have souls already. And it's just Frankenstein uh superhero nonsense yeah um jay courtney's in this as like the biggest baddest gargoyle um and it's just my favorite thing about him is can he act (laughs) he does have an accent um which is half the battle um i this movie is just so spectacularly stupid i mean they're like yeah Aaron Eckhart plays Frankenstein, and so he's aggressively hot. Uh, and like, it, it, it just strips. I mean, the, this move, like the the ending, the big like climax is like the demon is able to succeed and tries putting these this demon inside of Frankenstein's monster. Spoiler alert! And he's like, yeah, spoiler. It doesn't work because ha ha ha. He does have a soul, and that. I guess is a um, idea that, you know, obviously that is something that is explored. Like, can you create a soul? Where does the soul go? Yada, yada, yada. But this movie is drowning in special effects nonsense. And And ugly, ugly special effects nonsense. Unoriginal everything that like this shred of an idea of like Frankenstein having a monster it's so clearly like not the point of this movie. Like this movie yeah. was made for a popcorn nonsense, underworld nonsense. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just, it was just the bottom of the barrel of, for me, uh, of the Frankenstein genre. What about you, Gavin? I think that's a really great pick. And I think out of the total 50 Frankenstein films I've seen, unfortunately, there's 40 of them that I apparently have not. Um, (laughs) I have to agree. I really hate this movie. This was my pick going in as well. I watched it. I could not believe this nonsense. If you want a flashback for the home game, go back to our Vampire on Film episode and recall what my one star review is. Because it is, in fact, Underworld. And that's what this is. This is bad superhero, like, Nicolas Cage, Ghost Rider, the first one level nonsense. And, <laughs> and like, yeah, I, I don't know what anyone was thinking. I mean, all I all I can think that Aaron Eckhart was thinking was, like, I need a boat. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, Bill Nye, you don't need a boat. Yeah. Like, come on. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, supposedly because it was from the same guy that did underworld there were designs to do an underworld crossover but of course this movie this movie failed big time you saw that thing you saw what it was i don't know what i saw they'll come for you they need you to help them help them do what animate an army of corpses to take over the world corpses possessed by demons it can't happen it won't first thing they'll do is wipe out the gargoyle order there's so few gargoyles left, they won't stand a chance. 
Then Niberius will launch a war on humans. Kill most, enslave the rest. Your world will end. And what will you do? It's nothing to do with me. Well, of course it does. You're as much a part of this world as anybody. No. I'm different. I even will forgive. I mean, I don't hate Underworld as much as you do. Like, maybe it's just on the power of Kate Beckinsale. Oh, Kate Beckinsale, who's sexy and, and deserves so much better than that. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, but this... This movie. I thought to you me, were gonna say on the on the you know Scott Speedman train. <laughs> Nor. <laughs> um, but this movie Canadian just, classic. Thank you. <laughs> this movie just uh, you know it misses on every front. Like for the gargoyles turn bad for a minute, but then they're good again at the end. Yeah. Like it's this movie is trying to have its cake, eat it too, and also um, ruin everything good about the Frankenstein myth. When the Gargoyle Queen showed up and it was fucking Miranda Otto, I was like, I know, babe, I know your agent. You could be doing you could be doing like a fucking run of like an Ibsen play. I Go know. do that. She <laughs> wanted the boat, too. She wanted a boat, too. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a good, a very good unanimous one star review uh, for Frankenstein on film. Why don't we move into our five star reviews and talk about the things that we perhaps did like? <laughs> So there's a lot of good, right, Gavin? There's so much good. I love so many versions of this because it, it very much like we talked about in the rewind, there's so many angles in which you can play this from. You know, there's comedy, there's uh, heart-wrenching uh, sadness, there's soul-searching, there's religious aspects, uh, you know, there's biographical versions you can do. I, I think it's all really fascinating and, and such a deep well to play in. One of my favorite versions that I was a little shocked about because there is a Frankenstein starting in the 70s. There's basically a Frankenstein right. film for every decade. There's a Frankenstein 70, Frankenstein 80, Frankenstein 90, Frankenstein 2000. I loved Frankenstein 90, which came out in 1984. It's oh. this very weird French film. It's apparently... Uh, They're a all French, big, right? Yeah. Oh no no no! Uh, one is one is Italian. I think um, I saw seventy. Oh okay, seventy was the one where uh, Boris Karloff finally got to return and be Doctor Frankenstein. Arr. Yeah, eighty is like this bad Italian slasher. Um, oh, but, maybe I saw that one. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's like a murder mystery, right? Yeah, it's so bad. I mean, yeah, it looks yeah. like a VHS rip. Um, right, Bong Joon Ho who did Parasite has said Frankenstein 90 is his guilty pleasure. Wow. Uh, but it's this very funny, um, really like by the book sort of update of Frankenstein of a modern Dr. Frankenstein, who's a descendant of Dr. Frankenstein who decides to create a monster. And this monster comes out and he is like a bit of a blowhard, but he's also kind of charming and intelligent and, and he wants a mate and the doctor's able to like replicate the process to like a perfect degree and makes him a perfect mate that is absolutely in love with him. But at the same time, like he's kind of this buffoon who like, while being super smart is also like, I don't really understand. And society's norms also because it's French, he is a little handsy with the ladies. Of course. Um, but 
it's it's actually quite funny. It's like this weird comedy of manners that you wouldn't expect from a Frankenstein movie. Love that. I um I like I said, I mean I found maybe every um version that wasn't gory and just like I, I really love Frank and Weenie. I really like um Frank and Hooker, which we mentioned um already. Um those two to me are just like weirdo kind of like love letters um <laughs> if you want like the emotional you know stuff i think you have to go to the originals like 31 james whale and bride of frankenstein those are just like heartfelt kind of like yeah and beautiful. even though they're not perfect adaptations of the story right i think they contain enough kernels of mary shelley's original work that really make them sort of beautiful yet twisted love letters to them. Cause I have known people that are like, Oh, I don't really like those because they're not really like the novel. And I, I like get that to an extent, but also the art of adaptation isn't that you are doing something page for page. Right. Right. Um, I think it's also like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I think like it is a classic nineties, like big swing for like an <laughs> operatic, you know, like fucking, I just Robert De Niro is the monster, yeah, um, which is crazy casting. But like, he kind of ha- the thing about this movie is that the monster is intelligent. Right. It's not the bumbling, um, you right. know, kind it's, of. It's, it's both closer to the text and further away from the text yeah. that a lot of correct. Like, I, I mean. This movie had Francis Ford Coppola on as producer. He was originally thinking about directing much the same way that he did for Bram Stoker's Dracula. And Kenneth Branagh and him got into so many fights that he basically slammed it before it came out, even though he was his name was on the producing credit for it. So, like, I'm more in his camp. I'll be perfectly honest. I think Branagh is such a blowhard. He really (laughs) ruins that movie for me, Um, which sucks because... I do think De Niro is mostly good. There's one like really bad, like very Kenneth Branagh scene where he burns down the the blind right, man right, shack right, right, and right. he's like, "I will get my revenge." Yeah. Um. But uh, the it's, it's soapy. This is a it's, this yes. version is very soapy. Helena Bonham Carter plays Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about that. How there's always this idea of like, I mean, we talked a little bit about sex, but yeah, in the book, um. When, when little Frankenstein's a child, they bring along his cousin and they're like, this is in, your... In the original version, she was a cousin. When Shelley revised her text in the 1830s, she made it an orphan. So so they were no longer related. Okay. And then, and then what's even funnier is Branagh goes even further and is like... Oh, like, like they, they like knew the family because even in Shelley's revision, it's kind of very much like Baroness Frankenstein's like, Ooh, look, an unattended child. She's ours now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and like the idea is like, they're going to get married later. Um, But then like there's drama because he's really stuck in his like lab and he doesn't want to fuck his like to be wife. And that's sad. Um, In Mary Shelley's, Frankenstein, which Kenneth Branagh directed, he like kind of goes fucking crazy and like reanimates Elizabeth once yeah. the monster kills her because the monster asks him, make me a mate. Right. And unlike in the book where he stops and he's like, no, this is not right. And he a lot goes of, through with it. Yeah. And a lot of the movies, 
he'll like he either will say no or he'll say yes but then realize he fucked up and he'll like abort the mission or kill the thing or like in frankenstein unbound she wakes up and she says bye and kills herself um but in this version he does not make a mate he literally makes elizabeth come back alive um which is crazy um i think it's like a kind of fun thing i will say i put on our instagram stories um kenneth branagh who's hot and oily rolling around with frankenstein straight from the womb of creation yeah and extended extended that scene goes on for like two full minutes and it's so gratuitous in the like, like if you were to put yakety sacks on it, if it was like, yeah. it would be hysterical. Mm-hmm. It feels like something out of a Judd Apatow movie. I guess not to you, but to no. me, I was like, baby, this is comedy. It is comedy, but also it's like, like you were mentioning, you know, man creating like a child by himself. And it's like, and it's this eight foot hulking version of himself like it's very kind of like if you could fuck yourself would you like it's that (laughs) and so i i think it's worth watching i don't think it's like bad i just don't i don't think it's i don't think it's a five star but i did enjoy watching it no 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 alive i'm definitely more towards the other end of that i mean i guess it's worth watching i guess anything's worth watching (laughs) (laughs) okay shade um okay so my five star review after all that um controversially i'm gonna go there it is andy warhol's flesh for frankenstein oh wow sorry didn't mean to step on that one honey the reviews are mixed um i just thought it was so weird. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was made in 1973. Um, Udo Kier is the... Yes. Um, Who also played Dracula in Blood for Dracula, which you I know you saw for our Dracula episode. I remember distinctly. Um, <laughs> this, I mean, this movie is nuts. Like, and not... I mean, in some ways, I think it's accessible because it is so ridiculous. It goes... Yeah beyond all borders he is married to his sister yep just straight Uh, up straight up says it right away straight up it's baron von frankenstein um and the movie is also a very fucked up um it's kind of like almost satire almost parody takedown of like white nationalists uh, because yes they the whole idea is baron von frankenstein wants to create the perfect serbian race um and that's reflected in that he's married to his fucking sister and he they have two kids literally inbred kids and he is still unsatisfied and wants to have the perfect children and so his goal is to create the perfect man and perfect woman so that they can mate and create perfect children um and literally like populate the world with their children um the movie literally opens with the his wife sister being like 
I can't believe my kids were at this school with the, all these plebeians basically being like there are some other others who are not perfect race kids and takes them out of school this movie fucks um she is catching um this hot guy who's like working on their farm always having sex with girls and she's like what are you doing over there meet me tomorrow and i was like oh she's gonna fuck him and reader she does um and uh and yeah it's just it's just it's just nuts there's it's it's i think it's gay i think it's queer it it is definitely queer i mean their plot is essentially they want to create a frankenstein who is virile and will uh repopulate the world with with their serbian race however they cut off the head of the wrong guy. They think they're cutting off this like sexually obsessed young yeah. man, but they accidentally remove the head of his friend who wants to become a monk. Right. His friend who wants to become a monk, but also to me, like, because they're at like a sex den, like, you know. Yeah. And he's I was like, why does he keep looking at his friend? He's not looking yeah. at the he's not looking at the girlies. He's looking at his hot friend. And I was like, okay. Oh, you he's... got some subtext there? Is oh, that what you... yeah, honey? Um <laughs> And, and yeah, the movie is gross. It is gross, but like in, because it is so ridiculous and like, you can see the prosthetics, but like there is a full scene of Baron von Frankenstein on top of the monster. Um, and he's like inside of it. And when I say that, I mean like inside the wounds, like putting his hands and like his like, and he's like, I'm creating life. It's, it's, it's really fucked up, but also to me, it just kind of really displays like, the horror of like taking someone's limbs, reassembling yeah. them. Like you are manipulating this body and not to be all like conservative or whatever, but like it is the desecration of like our body is our temple, all that shit, you know, like it, this, this really is just like pissing all over that. And I think it looks fucking crazy and cool and fun. Um, I think if you just have like a good, like if you have a good sense of humor um, and if you're not easily like, I don't know, clutch your pearls, but like have fun with it. That's what this movie is all about. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, it's and and I I, I still think also, though, that this movie has a lot of the spirit of um, the ideas that Frank, the story of Frankenstein is all about, Um, you know. What could happen if you could make a man and people who are obsessed like this man is driven by obsession, you know, right. it's not for love. It's not for grief. It is obsession. Um, and I'm I, and, and frankly, I'm obsessed. We have to find the right head for this torso. It has to be of a man who strongly craves women. Whose overriding urges are sensual. If you succeed in finding such a single-minded man, our chances are very good. That the male we create will fall in love with my female zombie. I didn't hate it, as I said. I just don't know if I'll be rushing to watch it ever again. I I have had the opportunities to see it before and was kind of like, meh. But, you know, but I mean, it's, I've been wrong. It's, it's silly. It is silly. But it is also very aggressive and crazy. I think the 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 Baron and his like assistant, they're like, ooh, that's the guy. We want him. And they run around with like these head clamps. <laughs> and then it's like go right up to him and go boop. 
got him with our head clamps. <laughs> and then, like, as soon as the head comes off, just, like, a mountain, a volcanic explosion of blood is everywhere. I'm like, and that's why, like, I can't take it too seriously. Like, it's 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 just so silly and crazy. Um, so it cuts some of the, like, really grotesque stuff that's going on. But anyway, Gavin, what about you? Uh, before I reveal my five-star I I do want to give a shout out rock to Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, yes, problematic as it occasionally is. Like you know, it's really the the big queer Frankenstein, and and it has its place in history and always will. I also we didn't mention, and I would re- be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about Frankenstein Conquers the World, which is a kaiju movie. Uh, and I was reminded of it because you mentioned the Nazism of Doctor Frankenstein and Flesh for Frankenstein Frankenstein Conquers the World is a movie that begins with the Nazis delivering the Japanese the heart of Frankenstein's monster because he cannot be destroyed and of course they deliver it to be studied at Hiroshima so the monster gets irradiated grows back starts growing giant because he's insatiable but then ends up having to save the world from this sort of uh, Godzilla imitator named Baragon and you know what I love about this movie is this was a direct this was directed by Ashiro Honda who directed the original Godzilla so like it wow. has that legacy in it and yeah lots of fun but I think and then finally obviously I'm not going to name it my five star review we've talked about it enough Bride of Frankenstein is in our Hall of Fame we don't need to stress it anymore you should have She's seen it all-star. by now She's an all star so I think if I have to pick something else my vote would go to 1967's Frankenstein Created Woman. And I think because of very similar reasons that you are saying for Flesh for Frankenstein. Frankenstein Created Woman is the fourth Hammer Frankenstein film. Uh, This one sees Dr. Frankenstein in an attempt to move away from just reanimating the dead. He is now attempting to transfer the souls of the dead into other people's bodies. Uh, He gets a new lab assistant by a young man by the name of Hans who would witness his father die at the guillotine as a kid. Mm-hmm. And Hans has this relationship with Christina, who is the daughter of an innkeeper and she has some facial deformities, but he loves her regardless. Well, he ends up getting killed and Christina distraught drowns herself in a river and Frankenstein thinks it's my time. Yeah. And so he takes her body and puts Hans soul in it. And does reconstructive surgery on her face and sends her out in the world. But Han's soul wants revenge against these men who did this thing. And so... And the men are like fucking frat bros. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, ancient absolutely. frat bros. And so this movie brings up a lot of interesting context that I think most Frankenstein movies don't get into you know, the idea of the soul, you know, in, in, a, in a much more nuanced way than something like I Frankenstein. It's like, what is it? <laughs> Hard about? to do. Hard to do. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? What is it about the human soul? Like, what makes us human? What, you know, what makes us male? What makes us female? Right? This movie has some interesting takes on sexuality she has to seduce a lot of these men in order to get her revenge but she's technically hans yeah is hans seducing these men just for his means i think there's all these interesting layers at the same time you have dr frankenstein who four movies in is just 
a monster. Yeah, he's like, LOL, that that scene where he's at the court uh, scene. Yes. And they're like, girly, what's going on? He's like, I'm too clever for this shit. Yeah, that's why I love Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing is not afraid to camp it up. Yeah. He's like, he's like, sis, please. Champagne. And- now. Yeah. <laughs> Figure and- it out. Dear Doctor, your handiwork. You could be proud of it. My handiwork, but your brain. <laughs> Get rid of that. You see, the hair has changed color. Oh, but the face is all right. Now let's see if she can walk. Oh, not bad. Not now. She's still suffering from shock. All right, tomorrow then. I just love all these interesting ideas and avenues. I won't get to the ending because I, I, you know, the the ending is. I think. I think you'll either be like pleasantly surprised or maybe a little disappointed, but obviously like that's, I I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think every movie has to end in a way that like makes you feel great. (laughs) And I I think this movie specifically has kind of a like, huh, sort of ending. What's what's interesting is like this movie, you know, obviously Frankenstein, the doctor is this movie, but like his monster is not here. He's creating other creatures or you know there are other experiments that he's on so i think that's like an interesting um divergent from like the the universal movies which follow the monster and the hammer movies that like literally the beginning of this movie is like them reviving him yeah you know like and 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 he himself you know more than any other version is unapologetically a monster oh yeah you think of a fuck he's like you're too no. stupid it doesn't matter if you think i'm bonkers for picking this I will say I'm in pretty good company. Uh, Martin Scorsese picked this movie to be part of his 1987 National Film Theater season of his favorite films. Saying, quote, if I single this one out, it's because here they actually isolate the soul. The implied metaphysics are close to something sublime. Snaps frown. Yeah, I think I think this is underrated. I think because it's buried sort of deep into the Hammer canon, and also you know it's getting towards the seventies. It's nineteen sixty seven, and Hammer in the seventies really becomes more famous for getting its tits out than it is about having thoughtful discussions. Yeah, but I I think it's one of Christopher Lee's best performances, and I do think that the whole idea of Doctor Frankenstein giving up on his dream of bringing the dead back to life by sewing a body together by creating a new dream, which is putting somebody else's soul in a body is so neat and such an interesting twist. And I think it's only something you can accomplish if you've done three other films, you know, you couldn't just do a Frankenstein and start there. Right. Right. Well, Gavin, I gotta say we are, neither of us will be winning the poll this week, but (laughs) no, uh, well, why don't we do our mixed reviews review and then we'll get into our fast forward. Absolutely. So both of our one star review is 2014's I Frankenstein. Aaron Eckhart, you're very cute. How about that? Yeah. What a good face. <laughs> uh, my five star review is 1973's Flesh for Frankenstein. And my five star review is 1967's Frankenstein Created Woman. All right, let's get out of here. Now that the, the the Universal Monsters universe has been swept away, <laughs> is is Frankenstein um, uh, 
you know, a monster. Because we have, I mean, well, we've had... we were we were going to get the Bill Condon, the the guy that made Gods and Monsters. We were going to get his version of Bride of Frankenstein. It was going to be Javier Bardem. It was possibly going to be Angelina Jolie, and then the Dark Universe fell apart like a flan <laughs> in a cupboard. Yes. Um, I I will say, in terms of, do we have any modern Frankenstein's? Just this past week on Netflix, they dropped Rob Zombie's new version of The Monsters. Yep. I watched it. It is abysmal. I've seen some people defend it. Some people like it. Some people like it. I genuinely don't know what's up with them. Like, it's not funny. It's hard to watch. It's incredibly cheap. I've seen people be like, oh, it's a love letter to his wife. I, to me, it made me feel like he hates his wife because (laughs) he was like, no one's going to tell you to act at any point. Yeah, I I was not into it. I did not like this version of Herman Munster. I thought it was, you know, at best, uh, the Munsters movie that Rob Zombie wanted to make, and at worst, just incredibly lame. Zang. I think, you know, the Frankenstein, the classic Frankenstein that we, you know, I think his story is still with us and we'll continue to, to, you know, we'll keep seeing it. But as far as like the actual look of it, like, like I mentioned, you know, we can't fucking get enough of these Jurassic Park movies. They right. literally remade Blade Runner, um, you know, of Age of Ultron stuff. We are, we will always have, I think, these stories of, you know, men who want to play God, yeah. men who want to, um, you know, who don't want to let go. Uh, and I think we're going to still have those stories. I just, I, I wonder if the appetite for actually like Frankenstein with the bolts in the head, like has kind of run its course. And also yeah. what's weird though, is because Frankenstein never had like his vampire moment or like werewolf moment, like him as a monster. Like there is no twilight of Frankenstein. There's right. And, and I mean, it, I, th- I think you get closest maybe in the 50s when they, you know, we talked about I was a teenage werewolf in our werewolves episode. There was an I was a teenage Frankenstein. D- didn't work. It just didn't. It's, right. It's kind of a nothing film. I think like to me, the ones that are the closest to that is Frankenstein and me and Frankenweenie, where it's stories about, you know, I think they work especially well when it's kids. Kids don't understand or kids who are like, what happens when we die? And why do we have to die? And why do I have to let go? I um, I think in Frankenweenie, he says, I don't want him here in my heart. I want him here. Um, and in Frankenstein and me, it's like my dad was an inventor and he said to dream. And this was my dream. I, I, wa- I want to bring him back. Um and th- that kind of stuff is really emotional, really powerful, especially coming through the eyes of a, a child, you know, because it takes out the like uh, the horror of, you know, yeah. a, a crazy monster who is like this, like fucking chopping up bodies um, and really gets to like the beating heart of it. And I think those stories, uh, you know, will continue on. I just don't I mean, I Frankenstein clearly was an attempt at twilighting yeah. Frankenstein and it just doesn't work because that's not the that's there's there's no part of the Frankenstein mythos um, that you can do without taking out that like heart 
piece of it, you know, that really needs to be investigated. I think the other thing you're saying, too, is that you, in order to adapt it, in order to bring something new to the table, because it is such well-worn territory, and it's not something as simple as making a zombie run or having a werewolf turn into a werewolf outside of a full moon, you know, you really have to interrogate the source material and kind of dig deeper to pull something more interesting out of it as well. Because you're right, the sort of flathead bolts in the neck sort of run its course. Well, there's no flash to, like, I mean, like, werewolves fucking turn into werewolves. Like, vampires, like, the the story of Frankenstein is just of man being born and not knowing and, like, or, and feeling like an other. There is no superpower except, like, that he is a big and strong guy, you know? Like, it is not something that is inherently sexy, but that's, you know... Even though there, I think there is like sexual tension in the story. I don't think he's a quite sexy character. Um, and when something like Victor Frankenstein, which is trying to add in all these layers to yeah. make it sexy, it's just Ooh, kind of like. By the way, <laughs> yeah. uh, that 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 by the way is um, I believe 2015's Victor Frankenstein, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Radcliffe. Um, and so, yeah, I just don't think. I think the more successful interrogations are these kind of more kind of weirder, slower, gothic um, kind of looks. I mean, Frankenstein from 2015, the one that we don't like, tries to do that. They just do it really yeah. poorly because they have no, I, they have no original ideas. Like I was, I was going to say that's what I was getting at. That's why you know I don't think Depraved is a perfect film. The Larry Larry Fessenden film from a couple of years back, but I think it's interesting because it is trying some stuff. And even though it, it does like do an adaptation of the book and, and like tries to carry it off. Oh, and also really funny names. One of the characters, Polidori. So once again, <laughs> LOL. sorry, sorry, Dr. Bye, Polidori. Um, the, I think without those original ideas, it's, it's not, worth retreading this same ground because you you do you have to like dig deeper into the text to, right. to get something out of it because we've seen it we've we've watched him throw the girl in the river we've watched the doctor scream it's alive we, we these are things that like will always have a classic yeah context that you know that maybe we don't need to see one billion times well like one of the great you know new versions of we haven't brought up is ex machina you know, like that's basically a Frankenstein story, but yeah. it is completely fresh, you know, and um, is really turning it into something for the modern age. Uh, and I think, th- I mean, people love that movie. I like that movie a lot. Um, I think, <laughs> and I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but people love it. And I yeah. think it's successful though, because it is interrogating. Um, you know, the text, it's not just like being like, yes, I created the thing and like going over the same, you know, dusty road that's been gone over. Um, so, yeah, I think there there I think there will always be more to mine from Frankenstein. Um, but, you know, people just got to work hard. It's not as easy yeah. as like <laughs> it's it's the template is there and we've seen through the history, like the, it is flexible enough to do a lot of different things. Um, I just think it takes a special person to handle with care to either make it like really funny, like Frankenhooker or 
really sad or, you know, th- there are ways to do all these things. Um, yeah. I just think people, people don't want to get a fuck, get, get their up off their asses and work and make a good Frankenstein movie. <laughs> I hate you for that. <laughs> I love how topical I am. That two week old meme. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to say about Frankenstein, Gavin? This is your girlie. He's right behind you. No, I think, I think that covers it. I mean, I, I love him. I love him to pieces. The monster. I, I think there's so much to say about him. And I think he's so interesting in the way that he's been recontextualized throughout the ages. And I just don't want to see it fall into yeah. boring claptrap. Yeah. But that's, you know, being said. And also, if you think we didn't talk about enough about Monster Squad, a movie I love, a movie that Louis doesn't love. Uh, we, we talked about it. We talked, we about, talked it. about it in uh, our Werewolf Sun film episode. So Wolfman's got nards. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or also on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog of episodes, including all of our Halloween episodes, you can find us on all of the major podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. I mean, pretty everywhere. much everywhere. And if you want to do us a favor and you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, stop by, give us a five-star rating. Yes, five stars and write us a little review. Yeah. May I recommend from our back catalog of Halloween episodes, zombies. You do love those zombies. I love those zombies. You mention it every year. Every year. Uh, and also, brand new. Yes. Join our Patreon if you join our Patreon, we're welcoming you in further into our community and we're giving you some new content. Yeah, that we're going to give you some good stuff. Um, become our friends. We are so excited for this journey. Uh, join us on the Discord. Let's have a chat. Let's have a kiki. All those good things. Um, like Gavin said, we are booked and blessed for October, though. So um, we will not. See, uh, you will not see us if you're on the patreon <laughs> and you will not hear us um until about november early november oh the early november i love the band but we will be back stronger and better than ever and you know until then catch us on social media and all those good things um and hope you guys have a happy halloween stay safe have fun all of that um and yeah thank you so much for listening we will see you soon <laughs> <laughs> god <laughs> had to get it in Yeah.